Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 122, as we continue our count up the uh, scales, I guess we could call it. As uh, Wow, what a week of sports, and, uh, and a short week, long week this week for everybody, or for most people, and a crazy week for everybody, I guess, as uh, we're all dealing with craziness right now. So uh, we'll get into that. We'll talk a little sports here. Uh, obviously two teams locally made it to the state finals and they were moved from Columbus to Massillon at the last moment, which has actually made me very happy because mm-hmm. I was originally going to be outside broadcasting a game. Uh, instead, I was in a very nice press box in, uh, in Massillon, Ohio at uh, Paul Brown Tiger Stadium. So that worked out for the, the best there. And then the game, well, unfortunately, it just didn't work out for uh, Kennedy as they uh, they lost 28 to nothing and a game where the score does not necessarily tell you how the the contest, uh, how, the story of the game. Kennedy did not play their best game and you got to give the, the opponent all the credit there. I mean, that I will never not do that, but um just a few mistakes happen and, you know, things go the wrong way. A couple of bad calls go against you. Uh, it was about 10 to one in penalties against Kennedy. So um, it wasn't meant to be. And, uh, you know, the better team that day won. Simple as that. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go on and say it. That was a very good uh, John F. Kennedy uh, football team and uh, led by some, some amazing seniors and, uh, they have nothing to be ashamed of. They should be very proud of what the season they had. It's just unfortunate that uh, Kennedy just did not have their their A game in the biggest game of the year. Yeah, that was it. You know, like you talked about off the top, uh, the score does not indicate really the true the total picture of the game. You know, you go back and look at it. Kennedy only only gave up about two hundred fifty total yards. Yeah, you know, around 250, 275 total yards. Um, just a very uncharacteristic game from them with the blocked punts, the turnovers. Um, and when you give an opponent that many short fields, a championship-level opponent, uh, New Bremen took advantage of it. And like you said, yeah. you got to give all the credit to New Bremen. They took advantage yeah. of it and made plays when they needed to, and that is what you need to do in a state championship game. Yeah, New Bremen, uh, I found out, is the actual pronunciation. and uh, New Bremen, excuse me. Yes, but that's all right. I called them New Brennan during the, during the game, too, so I'm human. Uh, yeah, they, they played an excellent game, and they, it was a, a shortened field. It did play on the, yes. on the Kennedy side of the 50 most of the game, especially from the second quarter on. Uh, Kennedy's defense, though, was phenomenal. They, they never gave up. Uh, when their backs were against the wall, they had another f- uh, goal line stand at the one yard line in mm-hmm. the second quarter uh, when it looks like New Bremen was going to about to take control of the game and go up 14, yep. nothing. Uh, but they made a stand and they went in at halftime down seven, nothing. And at the time Matt and I talked, uh, we liked the position Kennedy was in. We thought, you know, they'll make a few adjustments and they will be able to get through, you know, they got through the hardest part of the game, and in the second half, they'll we'll see them perform at a at a next level. And unfortunately, it just never materialized that way. And New Bremen uh, did a great job. And uh, you know that Mac 
uh, out west in Ohio. That's oh, I, I want to say that was the 37th title in the state. That was New Bremen's first. That just tells you that the quality of that that conference for smaller divisions from division five, six, and seven, they have just been a, uh, a powerhouse over the last uh, 30 years. And uh, they deserve all the credits in the world. And uh, of course, Springfield ran into Coldwater in a phenomenal game, a game that went down to the last play of the game where they lost on a field goal, about a 22 yard field goal mm-hmm. uh, and lost 38, 35, Setting up that field goal, of course, was uh, about 48 seconds, 46 yep. seconds left in the game. Uh, Kennedy's, or excuse me, uh, Springfield's drive stalled around the 45-yard line of uh, Coldwater, and they decided to punt the ball away. And not a bad decision. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about two scenarios here. Not a bad decision, mm-hmm. and uh, it just didn't work out. You know, unfortunately, the, the kid made a great play. And a couple of missed tackles. Next thing you know, it's it's down to the ten yard line, saving tackle. Uh, they then run out the clock and a kick. They they move the ball on one play mm-hmm. call timeout they had left, and they ended up uh, kicking a game winning field goal to end the ball game. Afterwards, I talked to a few people from Springfield who were kind of upset. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. and there was talk. You know, they should have tried a field goal there, and now. Uh, God, I can't think of his name. I, I Medvec. Medvec. Thank you. Uh, a phenomenal leg. Hit the 52, 56-yarder during the season. Uh, you're talking 62-yarder, 63-yarder. In the rain and wind all night. Yeah. And now I'm not sure how, if it was with or against the wind. Here's the only, and I, and I said this uh, to one of them. I says, look, I understand your thought process. I think that's highly unlikely that it, it, you would succeed there. Mm-hmm. However, you can make the case on this level alone to try the field goal. Uh, I would not have, I think punting was the correct play. Uh, you can make this case in high school football. When you do a field goal and it's missed, it goes to the 20 yard line. Yeah. So it's like a punt. Um, and he probably would have cleared the goal line. So you yeah. wouldn't even have to worry about that. Once it close clear the goal line it couldn't be returned so my opinion is you can make that case most people don't know that in high school football that a missed field goal goes to the 20 yard line no matter where it's at unlike mm-hmm. in college or in, in the nfl where it's where the ball's kicked college is where the ball is snapped in high school if you kick a field goal and you miss it it goes to the 20 yard line so you can make that case that with would say what well, was a 40 i want to say about 40 40 seconds left in the game when the, not even that it was what uh yeah a little less than that yeah it was they probably under, with eight yeah, seconds left. yeah 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 uh so it's probably what 25 seconds left in the game maybe less 25 28 yeah in that range when they kicked the punt um i mean that's the only it's the only thing you can come up with in my opinion here's my you can make you can make that case and i can accept it but no one's made that case other than me. Now, here's my thought process, Tim, is, you know, you knew going into this game, in order to win, you're going to have to outscore Coldwater. I mean, their offense historically is really good. And there was no difference this year. This offense by Coldwater, uh, the Cavaliers, was really good. And they had scored almost at will in the second half there. 
I agree with you. I I said to myself, listen to the game, I said, you got to punt the ball. You have to punt the ball because, A, you have to back them up. If you go for it and miss it, you're basically giving them the game. Uh, I, I totally said to myself, agree. I said, it was, and it wasn't like it was fourth and two, fourth and three. It was fourth and eight. Yeah, fourth and six, or fourth, fourth and, and six. Yeah. yeah. So fourth and six, it, it, that's not a given. That's kind of, you know, you had to punt the ball there and just say, you know what, Coldwater, if you're going to beat me, drive the field on me. And I know the special teams went awry and went totally wrong. But you got to give credit to Coldwater again. The kid made the play when he had to. Uh, you know, the kid just made a play. Yeah, he did. You tipped your cap. Um, you know, you could say, yeah, uh, let's kick the field goal and it, the ball's put at the 20, um, I guess. But let's be honest, as good as a leg as Medvek have, and we've seen him kick 50-plus yarders, that weather has had been cra- – it, it had not been conducive all night to kicking extremely long field goals, especially not attempting a career best to win a state championship where – the rain and the wind, you just say at the time the, you know, the punt was the, the smartest decision to say, Hey, you know what? Coldwater drive the field on me and not amount of time with one timeout. And if you do, you tip your cap. And unfortunately, uh, Coldwater broke one on a punt and uh, that sealed the deal for yeah. Springfield. Yeah, you know, special teams, you know, Matt loves talking about it, how much it can be a game difference. Yeah. And it was on that play. Uh, and I will even go on to say this. You mentioned, you know, how good Coldwater's offense was, and it was tough to stop them in the second half. And that's that's mm-hmm. the key to the ball game. Your defense has to make us make a play. Yep. And, and get off the field. And you know, they took the lead 35-28 with two and a half minutes basically yep. left in the ball game. And Coldwater went right down the field in less than a minute, basically, about and a minute. Plays. Yeah. yeah. And, and and scored a touchdown to tie it up. They gave the ball back to you, and you drove. You stalled. Uh, almost ran out the clock. You weren't quite able to do that. It's that's what happens in championship games. It's one or two plays sometimes, and unfortunately for Springfield, it just didn't go their way. And you know, like you say, sometimes you just gotta, you know, wave to the other side of the sidelines and say congratulations because uh you know cold water did what they needed to do to win that ball game and uh disappointing because as you know and as i know nothing's ever guaranteed in life and there's no opportunity like the one in front of you so you know back-to-back runner-ups it's a hell of a story uh yeah it is and you know we had a, a really successful year again in the valley so and a lot of it had to do with the teams, you know, that we were fortunate enough to cover on uh, Western Reserve uh, Digital Broadcasting this year. And, and in the three teams that we did cover this year and, you know, Springfield all season long, Ursuline all season long, and then having the good fortunes and the uh, the invite from John yeah. Kennedy to uh, to follow them on their last two games of the season. So it was, it was a fun year. It was a year that, we had never week. seen before. Yeah, well, we'll never see again. Uh, hopefully, we'll never see again. And, you know, we're running into the same type of scenarios that we did in August 
with the upcoming winter sports season. Now, Trumbull County has already suspended sports until the new year. Mahoney County may do that here shortly. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in Lawrence County for, for Newcastle. Most of their games are after the new year anyways. And Newcastle this year is playing in a whole brand new conference, basically, or a new region, as they say over there. So, mm-hmm. And none of those games are close, by the way. They're all about an hour, hour and a half away from from uh from newcastle so there's some travel involved <laughs> yeah it was a big hike yeah it'll be interesting uh not all of it i mean it'll be fun to watch it'll be a it'll be a great challenge and i'm looking forward to it I'm hopeful that things work out well and you know you just got to be open to every opportunity and everything that's going to be happen and you have to be flexible you know we talk about this all the time about not being rigid and saying, oh, my God, you know, how horrible. Be flexible, people. and Be open. I mean, it's like tomorrow afternoon. We're going to have – it's like the old days. Just two NFL games. And then because the evening game has been moved to Sunday because of COVID. Uh, and it's the second time the Steelers have been infected. Or a- affected, I should say. Not infected, but affected by uh, a move date. It, but – you know, they're also undefeated. They've handled it well. So, mm-hmm. uh, and the Ravens, you know, this is weird. I'm a Browns fan. We're seven and three. My yeah, goodness the- gracious. Wait a minute. We're seven and three. The Steelers are undefeated. And I got a root for the Steelers to win to keep, to put Baltimore two games behind us. Tim, this is like a couple years ago, right? Where the, where the, Brown, or, or the Steelers needed the Browns to win, right? To make the playoffs. Yeah, and the that Browns did happen. Yeah. The last, oh, yeah. yeah, and the Browns lost the last. Yeah, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. I do a, remember that. What a, yeah, what a time to be alive, huh? <laughs> what, what a, I mean, what a crazy time to be alive. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Browns uh, fan, where, you're rooting for the Steelers to, uh, Sunday afternoon. I was going to say tomorrow. Yeah, you are because you want the Ravens to be two games behind you. Now you still have to play the Ravens and the Steelers again. So anything can happen, and the Steelers game ain't till week seventeen. And yep. how interesting could that be if the Steelers are still undefeated at that time? Here's the funny thing, because the Colts, when they had Manning uh, years ago, and back to back years, went through the same scenario. I believe one of the years they walked, they were it, it wasn't week seventeen. They were fourteen and zero. They had already clinched the AFC South and the one seed, and they sat. Yes. They're starters. Yes. And the Broncos went in and beat them. Right. You know, and then um, the next year, I believe they went ahead and played them for a half and then pulled them. It, it's right. been really interesting if Pittsburgh is 15-0 with the one seed locked up and the AFC North locked up. What does Mike Tomlin do? You have I an think- aging quarterback who's injury prone, but at home you got a chance for history. It really probably will determine on seedings for the playoffs. Let's say the Browns are still a win or lose. Let's say they get in the playoffs, but it determines yeah. their seeding. Let's say they can be seated number Six five or, seven, yeah. or number seven. Mm-hmm. Number seven gets to play the Steelers in two weeks. Yeah. You know? So, you know, if they advance through the first round. So I think that will have a lot to do with that decision-making uh, because that game will affect – if things continue the way they are, and that's a long time from now for the Browns to think that far ahead. But 
Yeah, that game could determine seeding for the playoffs. And it yes, could mean the Browns either in or out. It could mean the Browns being as high as the number four seed or as low as the number seven Yeah, that seven could be seed. a home game. Right. Yeah, it, it really could be. It, it, it's strange as it sounds. It has a lot of implication potentially. I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. But it does have that type of input. You know, a lot of, lot of possibilities there. So we'll have to wait and see how, how they, you know, what happens if it gets to that far. I mean, that's again, you know, we're week 11 right now. You know, so we'll see, but the Browns are seven and three, uh, not disappointed. Uh, I will say this, uh, Baker Mayfield. And we talked about this before, Anthony, uh, we talked about this during the draft that year when all the quarterbacks mm-hmm. were out. I don't know if he's much more than a C plus quarterback. You know, Tim, I uh, I said that to somebody Sunday. I said, be thankful you guys are winning. You know, because this, like you said, the Browns have not been in the spot in what almost a decade, right? I mean, it's been 10, 12 years since the Browns were seven and three, seven and and in the spot for a playoff hunt. But you look at these games, and yes, win, baby, win. As out. Hello? All right, give it a second. He'll be back. Think about it. Maybe this is the best that Baker Mayfield is. Well, yeah. And let me, uh, let me give you a, a comparison. And Browns fans may like this and may not like this. Oh, Probably boy. not, but I think it might be fair right now. Baker Mayfield equals, equals Brian Hoyer. And why I say that is Brian Hoyer is the only quarterback yeah. who played more than 10 games as a starter for the Cleveland Browns and had a winning record. You know, Tim, you're not wrong. I I mean, he's not. I don't think at this point he's going to lose you a game. He will throw some some uh, risky passes that might get picked. Uh, he's gotten better as his career has gone on to where he's not throwing into high traffic situations a lot. So he's going to almost met. And I hate, and I know people hate this term. He's going to be a game manager. It's oh, exactly what he is. But in the NFL, Tim, game managers don't get you anywhere. They might get you sneaking in the playoffs but they're not going to get you to where you want to go. Well, they, you have to have a difference maker, a quarterback. We saw that last year in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes was on another stratosphere than uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey, exactly. And game managers are – there's three levels of quarterbacks in the NFL. There's the god-awful quarterback. There's the middle-of-the-road quarterback. And then there's the elite quarterback. Yep. And in the middle-of-the-road quarterback, you can split that in half and say – the Good. game managers versus yeah. the guy who's a step below an elite mm-hmm. player. Um, yes, you're exactly right. So if you look at it at that level right now in year four, three, three, three of Baker three. maker. Yeah. You're three of Baker maker, Baker Mayfield, excuse me. Uh, he's, he's a, uh, he's a C quarterback, potentially yeah. a C plus B minus on a great day. Uh, he's not accurate enough. Uh, he, you know, he missed touchdown passes in the end zone to his tight end last week, wide open. He's and, still missing throws that you should not miss at this stage in his career. Yeah. 
He's in the perfect offense for him, though. I'll give him that. He is. And this offense is designed for a manager. It's yep. not designed it is. for a superstar. That was one of the problems Denver had with Peyton Manning at the end of his career. He was a superstar yes. who didn't want to be in a manageable scenario and had trouble at times dealing with that. His final season when they won the Super Bowl, that yep. that style actually fit his talent level. Yes, it did. Now, yes, his it did. Gary Kubiak system fit him. Yeah. Yep. His experiences, his abilities are superstar status. But at that stage of his career, after all the injuries and everything else, that it fit him well because they had the strong running game to go with it. They had yes. the strong defense to go with it. They had all the pieces to go along. And with you know Peyton Manning, who he is, an elite quarterback with experience and an ability, even though his, you could even say, was one of his worst years of his career statistically. He could manage the games and still win you the big games when you had to yep. against New England and others in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. And that's what he did. And take nothing away from what Peyton Manning brought to that club, because I could, I honestly do believe without Peyton Manning, the Denver Broncos do not win that world, that Super Bowl. They I'll may have this. got there, but I don't think they win it. I'll say this as, you know, as a Bronco fan, when we did make the change to Brock Osweiler during the middle of that year, uh, the passing game actually took a step up because he was healthy, he was younger, he could make all the throws um, and stretch the field. But we saw in that last regular season game against the Chargers where he had three picks. Now, not all were his fault because a couple were dropped. He just didn't have that. He, didn't he have had that, the more physical tools, but he didn't. He didn't have that elite status, the ability to make plays. To how to adapt and read a defense and overcome that. Um, and then started Manning. Um, you know, the production wasn't great. 20 points there, 23 points there, you know, 24 against the uh, Panthers. 18 or let's see, one on a uh, fumble for a touchdown in the end zone. And the other was set up by a five-yard field on a strip sack again. So he didn't have to do very much, but you just saw the offense. Manning knew how to read the Panthers defense. He knew how to read the Steelers defense in the playoffs that year. Um, and let's be honest, if Osweiler is starting the AC championship game against the New England Patriots, now granted he beat them one time in the regular season, the chances of you beating a Bill Belichick defense twice, very slim to none. So, um, the move was right to go back to Manning in that playoff run. And you just saw the offense as a whole may not score a lot of points, but they just executed when they absolutely need to because of his smart. Oh, there's no question. I mean, uh, there have been game managers that won Super Bowls. There's no question about that. But there's usually two ingredients that go along with it. A dominating defense and a, a stellar running game. And you go through the history of the Super Bowls, you can find those teams. And that's those ingredients are there as part of the, why that team won the Super Bowl versus uh, putting a team on the back of a quarterback to make plays like a Tom Brady did many times later in his career. Uh, you know, especially against like Atlanta. I mean, he just made play after play after play. Now, Grant, she had great players around him, but that's part of being on a great team. And you have to, you know, 
you have to complete those plays. And like I said, right now, Baker Mayfield to me is a C plus quarterback. I'm not sure he's going to get much better than that. I hope he does. I'm not convinced that he will. Um, you look at Kirk Cousin, maybe a B minus quarterback for Minnesota, and it's the same offense. Yeah. You look I- what he's done over the last few years. Uh, playoff bound type team, but not necessarily a Super Bowl team. And I think that's what you're talking about. Can you win a Super Bowl with this quarterback? And right now, I would say it's less than 30%. Yeah, I'll say this too. Um, I think he's being obviously affected by the loss of Beckham Jr. Uh, That gives them another weapon to stretch the field. um, And you can, the Browns receivers are easily uh, guardable now, minus Beckham, obviously, um, than if he was in the field. You can say what you want about his overall effect in the Browns offense. You know, some people like him, some people don't. Also, when you're missing a star talent uh, such, such as Beckham's, uh, you're going to miss him. So, um, and, you know, let's say this too. The Browns have gotten the worst luck playing in torrential downpours and Lake Erie gusting winds every single week, it seems like. You know what? Um, Maybe that's a good thing. But, uh, uh, I know they didn't do well as well as they should have against Oakland or, excuse me, Las Vegas. Uh, yes, that was a winnable game that they did not finish and they made enough mistakes that uh, the Raiders took advantage of it and won the game in fair and square and congratulations to them. They have that tiebreaker over the Browns going forward. Uh, I will say anytime you went on the road in the NFL, you've done something right. So you got to yes. again. And I think, you know, uh, the Browns are kind of a little outcoached in that game. But we definitely have a, a young coach that I believe has the ability to learn from his own mistakes and get better. And I think we've seen that the last two weeks. And I also see uh, the commitment that he has to the run game and the commitment uh, to Chubb and to Hunt. And an uh, interesting stat I heard today, uh, Chubb leads the NFL with the most runs over 20 yards, and he missed four games this year. He's incredible. And Hunt has the most runs over 10 yards in the NFL. So the run game is there. And, you know, it was slow developing this past week. And then in the fourth quarter, once again, like the week prior, and like we've seen a couple other times this year, that's when it became really a, uh, a dominating force and took over the ball game. And uh, you just don't see that every week and not, you don't see a team who can run like the Browns can very often in the NFL because it is a pass-oriented game. Yes, it is. Um, and that's what concerns you if you ever need to put the game in the hands of your quarterback. Can he make the plays to win you a ball game when your run game cannot do it? And you want an elite quarterback in that situation. And we'll see if Baker can get better than what I see. But right now, yeah, I see. And now this week's game is going to be interesting. Uh, as the Browns will be playing without their two best defensive players. Miles Garrett will be missed the game with COVID yep. for the second straight week. And Denzel Washington or, or Denzel Ward, excuse me, is out uh, with a calf injury. So it's going to put even more pressure. The good news is you're playing Jacksonville and Jacksonville starting yeah. a brand new quarterback in Mike Glanson again. So, yeah. So um, maybe it's a little of a, you know, 
the stars shining on the Browns this year with the schedule. You know, they've gotten away with a few things. Uh, you could say it's a weak schedule. It's the NFL schedule. Nothing you can do about it. Some years are stronger. Some years is weaker. Some years you have, you know, four or five games in a row you wish you could have broken up. And some years you you run into NFL or the NFC East. It's yeah. You know, cool. and and look at the Cleveland Browns take advantage of that. I mean, they beat Dallas, they beat Washington, they beat Philadelphia. You know, they've they got to play the Giants later this year. Who so, would have thought at the beginning of the year when the Browns play the Giants that could have playoff implications for both teams on it? Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, the Browns play the Jets and the Giants back to back in New York. Well. <laughs> Hey, you know, it's just the way it works this year. And I don't know. I don't, I don't make the schedule, you know, uh, are they going to now? I know the Browns closed the facility again today because of another positive case. Have they said anything in regards to how that's going to affect their game on Sunday or as far as I know right now, you know, the NFL is, is full steam ahead They're until the last ahead. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just like with the Steelers is full steam ahead until today and and then it realized they couldn't play and they pushed it back to sunday you know the nfl is going to do everything they can to play the game when it's scheduled they'll push it back they'll push it back to tuesday if they really thought that was necessary yeah uh we've seen them do that and you know they're going to do everything they can to get the games in it's just it's too much value to them and i get it did you see uh the nfl by moving out of tomorrow night's time slot lost over a million dollars in advertising revenue. Oh, yeah. oh, with these, these. Which which is why they waited until 24 hours before the game, about 26, 28 hours to move it. That's why, you know, there is the three primetime games each week on a Thursday, on a Sunday, and a Monday. I mean, it's just, it makes them that much money. I mean, years and years ago, when they first went to Monday night, that was the experiment and it worked. And then it expanded from there. And quite honest with you, if the college football did not expand into prime time on Saturday night, I think the NFL would have. And I still think I look back going forward, I should say, I would I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this right now. And until someone proves me wrong, I can't say I'd rather see they do away with a Thursday night game, put it on a Tuesday yep. as the end of the week game instead of the first game of the week. And. That will give, actually, it teams an extra 24, 48 hours of recovery time going into a Sunday game or even have them play the next Monday game type scenario and then back to Sundays. There's a lot of ways you can do it, but my point is I'd rather do away with the Thursday to start the week and end the week on a Tuesday night and then keep the Thursday night games. Use the Thursday night as a season opener and use the Thursday Mm -hmm. afternoon night games like for tomorrow for Thanksgiving. I have no problems with that. You might as well take advantage of it, you know, and, and just move the Tuesday to a Thursday type of thing. You can do it, but uh, I think it would be a better schedule. And I think they would just clean up. I think they're afraid of being too far in the middle of the week that people would not necessarily be able to tune in uh, because of work schedules and stuff like that, which is fair. It's a legitimate yeah. uh, you know, argument to make, you know, one day a week on Monday night, everyone can wake up early and, and make it into work. Or if they're working late, they can get off and catch the second half type scenario. Uh, on Tuesday, do you want to do that on back-to-back nights? I mean, that's one of the, you know, 
the drawbacks of, of putting it on a Tuesday. Now, if you happen to have a good schedule in life where you're home every evening, Tuesday night works as good as Thursday night. But if you happen yeah. to work evenings, it, I'm sure it would upset you if your team was playing on a Tuesday night and you didn't get off work until eight or nine o'clock at night. Uh, or you had, we a- also run into, you know, you also run into the, um, not, I won't say slim, but the, um, some cases where you travel to a game as a fan, um, you know, how many of those games can you do? Right. How many of those games are attended by fans such as myself, and my uncle who live out of the Denver market that if it were a Monday night game, they, if we're a Monday if we're a Thursday night game, you know, you're missing three days of work, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right. Where if it's a Sunday night or Monday night game, you're only missing one, two. Right. So, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I'm sure that plays a little bit into it, but I don't think it plays a lot. Um, you know, I just, I don't think they want to um, go through all that logistical stuff yeah. to, it's an experimental um, year this year for all, all sports and all scheduling. And you have to be willing to make adjustments. And I give the NFL credit for doing it. And, you know, college football is going through that. Like I said, I think it's silly not to push back the bowl games uh, for the for the final four in the championship a week. Let these teams that are missing games because of COVID have an opportunity to make them up and, and still be able to play. You know, it. Honest to God, I'm not too concerned. First of all, New Year's Day football is not as great as it once was. No, and not anymore, no. Now, this year, it would have been New Year's Day, which is unique. It's been New Year's yeah. Eve for the last few years. Mm-hmm. But when the, I believe when it's part of the uh, Rose Bowl, it's New Year's Day because of the yeah. tradition. Um, I don't mind if the Rose Bowl gets pushed back to the 8th. Or whatever date. It yeah, may it, be for yeah, Saturday. it doesn't. It's not going to take away from the game. No, it, it, those days of total tradition winning out are over, and you know money wins. And I say, you know, like I said, I'm more than willing to go two weeks if necessary. Uh, you know, play the play the championship game and give them two weeks to prepare it if necessary. If that's what you have to do, so be it. Well, uh, we'll, we'll just you know, I just think it's it's silly uh, to have these dates you know etched in stone where you can't make changes when uh a change is the easiest way to to make sure that everyone has a fair opportunity to participate and you're exactly right and that gives me to my point is you know uh saturday we saw the big 10 west semi-final basically final where northwestern beat wisconsin um and now wisconsin's game has been canceled this week and that would mean they are not going to play enough games to be eligible for the Big Ten championship games. Now, Northwest would have to lose two more games. And say that happens. Say they trip up and stumble and lose two more games. Now Wisconsin won't even give it a chance because they're below the um, Threshold, number yeah. of games requirement, which is uh, which I have said before, it's stupid. And it goes along with your point of, you know, if you need to push back the season, I don't want to see, Tim, you know, for like in Ohio State's case, you go from, the Michigan game to the Big Ten title game right into the college football playoff. That's like, I'd like to see at least a five to seven day time period where 
you have that built in as a um, replacement game week or just a bye week, you know? Uh, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now. I mean, college basketball is going to run into some problems too. And some college schools... basketball should have, uh, they should have pushed back to us until after Christmas. And I think for the most part, it's going to happen for the, and not every school, but many schools are, I mean, even Youngstown state's going to run into that problem. And a matter of fact, they may have pushed it back to the beginning they of did. the year. Yeah. I thought I read I, I that. Know, yeah. Yeah. I know why issue because of a positive test in the program. Yeah. Uh, canceled the first week this week. So uh, they yeah. are slated. Yeah. Cause they don't play the West Virginia game. They're not playing uh, you know, I don't know the exact schedule, but my point is, yeah, look, it's okay. You know, it's, it's, an, it's such a weird year that you just have to be flexible and that's, that's the key. And I hope college their football first, recognizes. Go ahead. Their first game right now, why is used him December 19th against Northern Kentucky in a series uh, at NKU, not to, uh So uh, welcome to 2020, 2021. Why is you? It's going to be nuts. It's going to yeah, be nuts. Just, you know, um, just trying to read here, just, because of a positive test, they postponed their uh, uh, their schedule, and right now we don't know when it's going to be. Right, and and that's for the for the ladies too, you know. So yeah, um, it's it's just a tough situation for all schools, and like I say, you know, be flexible. All these conferences, all these schools, be flexible. Find a way to make it work that works safely for your student athletes and your coaching staffs and your support staff. And for the fans who may be able to attend or may not be able to attend, uh, whatever the case may be. I know uh, the smaller the school is, the more they put revenue into ticket selling. And I understand that. And it's going to be difficult for a lot of these schools to take the losses that they are. That's why football for Division 1AA and 2 and 3 have been pushed to the spring because they need to sell tickets. They can't survive without ticket sales. You know, they just can't do it. So, you know, we just got to be, again, flexible. And I know we kind of talk about this each and every week, but that's what's going on in the world of sports. It all matters. The Cavaliers made a, a trade with the Lakers. Hey, what else is new? Help the Lakers out. And yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Help hey, LeBron keep... out. Yeah. yeah. It's all about LeBron, isn't it? And then. Uh, yeah, it they... is. Man, he can. <laughs> He's a hell of a GM. GM. Coach, <laughs> every five positions on the floor, water boy, trainer. Wait till he owns a team. <laughs> oh, go, oh, God. You know oh, it's going to happen. You, you know it's going to happen. Oh, my God. You know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Damn, I. Know. Okay. Over, under. Now, I don't. And I, you know what? Let's have fun. Let's just, you know, with everything serious going on, LeBron's first year is on her. Coach Mark or Coach Joe Schmo, whoever he hires, does he last over under 164 games? That's two. That's two seasons. I say I. I would give him two seasons. Yeah, I say over. Over. Yeah. Over or just just that two seasons. I think two seasons the minimum, but over. And then after that, see ya. Go oh, on. Yeah. Oh. there will be player changes. That roster will move so fast, your head will spin. 
Well, you know what, though? He knows he has such a high basketball IQ. I hate saying that, but he does. He does. Um, he's the best athlete I've ever seen, period. And he plays basketball. Yep. And there's no one who's made every team he's on that much better than LeBron James had. Uh, the two stints with the Cavs, the Heat, and now the Lakers. I mean, enough said. Uh, when he came into the league, it was not unique, but if you were at a high school level player, you really had to be at uh, a highest level to do it. They were mm-hmm. There were others before them. They were just, you know, cashing in. And, and the NBA today is, unfortunately, you know, you project players. You know, the first four years is to learn to the NBA, and then you project to sign them to the second contract and hope to cash in on, on a superstar. Uh, it's not like years ago where when Michael Jordan was drafted, you knew you had a superstar in waiting because uh, he spent three years mm-hmm. at North Carolina with Dean Smith yep. uh, and, and so forth. Uh, you can name the players, you know, who – you know, got their training at the collegiate level and spent three to four seasons there. Uh, that's just not the case now. Or if you're a player who gets in the NBA first round and you're a, a junior or a senior, you're you're uniquely different. Uh, before that was the norm. Now you're you're the minority. I'm not saying you're not a good player, but it just shows you the difference in in, in the sport and how it's changed. Now when you get drafted, you're drafting a 19 year old, projecting what he'll be when he's 23 when he gets his mm-hmm. next contract and hopefully you're, you're signing him to a long-term deal. And, and it's set up that way in the NBA, but it doesn't always happen that way, but we'll see, you know, uh, I thought the Cavs made a nice choice at the first pick. They needed a defensive player, a guy who can grow. That's the type of player I'm talking about four years from now. He could be a really good player right now. I mm-hmm. think he'll be functional. He'll be an NBA player, but He's young and he's going to make mistakes, you know, and, and they all do because they're just inexperienced. They don't have that level of experience that other players have coming out in other sports Uh, or the seasoning, like in baseball, you have the minor leagues. Most players spend two to three years minimum in the minor leagues before they make it to Mm -hmm. There are fast, fast track players, but not often. And, you know, the NFL, for the most part, you're, you're a junior or a senior. So you spent three plus Mm -hmm. years at the collegiate level. Sometimes you redshirted. And you're yep. a redshirted, you know, junior coming out. So it would have been normally your senior year. So it's, it's a lot of, it's different. Sometimes you get the superstar that comes out after two years in the NFL because of, you know, gray shirts and all that stuff that yep. happened at the, at the collegiate level. But for the most part, you know, you're an older player with more experience. And that's just, you know, the difference in sports and how they're run. There's nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. And that's our NBA talk for today. Yeah, that's uh, more NBA talk than we had during the whole season, Tim. That's <laughs> yeah. more NBA talk than we've had in the past two seasons, really. That's uh, uh, Well, you know, don't get me wrong. I like basketball. I love basketball. And I watch the NBA, but I don't – it's not the highest level thing on my, no. my to-do list. No. I'm not saying I won't watch the Lakers play or I won't watch the Celtics play. And, and speaking of the Celtics, I'll get back in the NBA real quickly. Tristan Thompson signed with the Celtics two-year, $19 million deal. Yeah. I guess I heard the Cavaliers didn't even offer him that much. Now the Cavs have some other bigs, so mm-hmm. uh, that's a steal. You're talking about one of the best defenders in, in basketball and a uh, a guy who, quite honestly, the Cavs probably don't win the, the championship without uh, in 2016. So 
<laughs> I mean, hey, it'll fit right in in Boston. Oh yeah, but you know what? More than anything, I look at it this way: it, it's just one more player exited from you know that era that if you're a Cleveland fan, you'll never forget because those four years of uh, LeBron James and that gang that went to four straight championships against uh, Golden State were just phenomenal. I mean, those were the goal. You'll never, I'll never experience anything like that ever again. No. In Cleveland. Uh, I don't think the Indians will ever have four dominating years like that, making it to a championship series. I don't think the Browns will ever get to four straight Super Bowl type scenarios. Uh, I just don't think you will ever witness that type of dominance and uh, level of play from uh, many teams ever again, especially for a quote unquote small market team. Uh, We'll see if I'm right or wrong, but I just, you know, those were phenomenal years and great basketball and yeah, didn't necessarily get on the, on the winning ledger, but you got one. And you know what? That's all that counts. When you don't have any, one matters. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'll be quite honest with you. The year before, if it wasn't for injuries, and I don't like playing the what-if game, but I do it there, that was team was good enough to win win the championship uh, and may have almost pulled it off with all the injuries they have without Kyrie and that. Mm. And But that's sports. You know, we talk about all the time. Injuries are part part of the game. Uh, players missing for whatever reason are part of the game and you got to accept that. And, you know, Golden State getting, you know, K- KD was a huge, you know, but uh, Hey, that's part of the game. Uh, you know, that's, that's what makes sports interesting is every year's a new challenge. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just wanted to get that out there about uh, Tristan Thompson. Cause he was a, uh, Hey, he was part of that that famed team in Cleveland that won a, won a world championship, and uh, he'll be forever remembered and most likely will have his number raised to the rafter someday in Cleveland. Yeah, he was an instrumental part. Um, you know, you didn't look at him as a star on the team, but there are some glue guys on championship teams you can go back and point at and say, this guy's not here, they don't win a championship. Yeah, in um, 2015, he was the star. He was the star along with LeBron James. Uh, in that championship series, that first first series against Golden State. Mm-hmm. He made his name there, you know, to the world. And I'm not surprised. You know? And, you know, you hate seeing certain players leave teams, but that's how sports is played today. And, hey, you know, Kevin Love will probably be traded this year. If not this year, next year. I'll be surprised yeah. if it's next year. But truth of the matter is, I mean, here's another player who will always be remembered in Cleveland, but you know darn well his time in Cleveland is short. Oh, yeah. It's more, you know, it was six years ago, you know, it was a wonderful thing to get him or seven years ago, but now here we are, uh, you know, it's it's just recognizing the fact that things change and players come and go. And uh, most likely I can't imagine him not being traded during this season this year. Again, you have fond memories, you respect the player, and uh, you move forward. And, and I, I hate saying that, you know, we're Indian fans and uh, the Cleveland baseball team is going to trade Lindor. There's no way ifs and what's about it. Just enjoy what we, the time we had to watch him play in Cleveland. Uh, unfortunate, they didn't win a World Series, but, you know, you move on. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can go back to the, the what if game real quick. Um, and I'll go to my grave arguing with anybody. That if the Indians aren't missing three fifths of their starting rotation, 
right. uh, an all-star left fielder, Michael Brantley, and an all-star catcher on uh, catcher Jan Gomes, and an overworked Andrew Miller and Cody Allen, that team not only wins the World Series in 2016, I'd be shocked if it went past five games because me and the Indians were that good. Yeah, well, you're right. That game five that they lost, like, what, four to three, I believe, to the Cubs. And they had a one nothing lead, yes. Yeah. Yep. They, they probably mm-hmm. win that game. I'm not going to disagree yep. with you. Yep. And You're right. And game six could have gone either way, and game seven could have gone either way. But, yeah, game five, probably you look back at that series as the one that, that slipped away from the Indians where they just couldn't climb that mountain one more time. And, you know, that happens. And like yeah. you said, like I said, injuries – Players availability, stuff like that are all part of uh, sports and you got to accept the the hand that you're dealt and how you play them. Sometimes you, you know, you roll aces and sometimes, you know, you fold them. <laughs> it's just as simple yeah. as that, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes you get a hand and just, you know, no matter what you do with it, it's going to work. And sometimes you get a hand that looks really good and, you know, an inside straight beats you. And that's basically how I feel about the Indians in uh 2016 it was it was like an inside straight things just didn't go their way no. after game four uh they had every opportunity to win they just couldn't do it kind of like the Cavs in uh 2015 they had the opportunity but couldn't quite you know pull themselves out of the hole and and uh again that was just a golden era of Cleveland and hopefully you know as a Browns fan they'll have another era coming their way here shortly and I'll say it again and again and again. Uh, Paul D. Potesta is a, a genius. Uh, he's mm-hmm. showing his ability. I mean, everyone talked about him as a baseball man moving to football and what he could do. And when he was finally put in charge of finding the next coach, and they listened to him this time after three years of not listening to him, uh, it looks like he's hit a home run. And that is uh, to be commended and uh, never forgotten what. You know, his recommendation and his search for both the GM and for the coach meant to that organization. And uh, as a as a football fan, as a Cleveland fan, watching this resurrection of this team for the first time in 10 years, uh, it's it's kind of fun. I don't want to forget what uh, D. Potesta brought to the uh, to the Cleveland Browns and what he is what he has done to help them be where they're at today at seven and three. And hopefully, you know, that's not the end. I mean. Like you said before, probably going to take 10 wins this year to get to the yeah. playoffs. So, and that might be the seventh seed. So it just tells you how important each week will be. Yeah. There are a lot of good teams in the AFC this year. And uh, the turnaround that the Browns have had this year uh, is simply remarkable because a lot of people, like you said, were skeptical about uh, Deep Potesta moving into a football role from being in baseball his whole life. And now he's looking like the right guy. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, he's been with the Browns for about four years or so, and mm-hmm. you know, his first recommendation was Buffalo's head coach, and mm-hmm. they didn't do that. The second recommendation was um, the current coach, and you know, they didn't do that. And yep. the third time, he went back to the to the well one more time, and you know, and it, he looks like he knew what he was doing, and yep. uh, he knew the qualities of winners. But you know what? Most people who are in sports understand that. Uh, you know, I jokingly uh, was talking to online the other day with uh, a friend of mine, John uh, Shekelhoff, mm-hmm. and I and I mentioned that uh, Theo Epstein's available. And yes, uh, 
now he'll probably end up in the Mets long term. But uh, I said, if I was Maslin, I would be going out him, getting him as my my new AD for he can hit the trilogy of the story programs of bringing yes. champions to. Uh, yeah. He did it with the Red Sox. He did it with the Cubs. Now come to Maslin, Ohio, become the AD and, and get them over the hump for their championship. Uh, he will go down in uh, sports glory forever uh, because they came up short again to Hoban. Not a surprise. That Hoban team was loaded. Loaded. And they are and, loaded. And they're loaded each and every year. Uh, Tim Tyrrell and what he has done with that that high school program is phenomenal. It reminds me very similar of what happened with uh, – Cleveland St. Ignatius back in the 90s yes. and early 2000s. Yeah, just uh, continuous D1 talent uh, pumping through that program. And again, another season ends with the Akron Hoban State Championship. Uh, this time, uh, Hoban went into an away game, essentially. Yeah. Um, and dominated. It was um, uh, that is one hell of a football coach, um, one hell of a program he's got. And, uh, I, I would not be shocked if he's – I know he was on the college radar last year. Yeah, I would not be shocked if he's in a college program here in a couple of years. So he yeah, has that makeup. Yeah, he does. And we'll see what happens. Uh, he won't be the first to make that jump if and when it comes. And uh, and I'll say this. I think he'd be very successful. Oh, I think so too. I mean, his name was, was definitely in the mix at Youngstown State before yep. they chose Doug Phillips. And, hey – you know, I'm not, let's, let's see what Doug Phillips can do. Uh, you know, he has a clean slate right. as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, he hasn't coached a game, so he's perfect. And until he proves that he's not, he's perfect. And uh, we, we go from there. I don't want to we uh, have, get, off, uh, get off subject too much there. Go ahead and say that again, because I lost you. Yeah, you, you know, we're discussing the Browns playoff chances right now. And uh, the college football bowl games and playoffs are, are you know, here in uh, less than a month. And then uh, we're going to finish that up and go right into a uh, Youngstown state season. So we're going to have uh, action packed football from August to uh, hopefully May. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would, uh, you know, I know it's a pipe dream, but anything can happen in a pandemic year. And uh, I would not mind spending Memorial day down in Frisco. No, not at all. Not at all. Cause uh, Hey, by then, hopefully, everything will be clear and uh, people can travel and enjoy themselves and, and cheer on the Penguins. Matter of fact, today, uh, I, as funny as uh, it can be, uh, speaking of the Penguins, I uh, yes, I on Twitter, there was a shot of Penguins going through uh, Wrigley Field, I believe. Oh. Or it might have been Soldier Field, but I think it was Wrigley Field. Yeah. And I, and I laughed and I, uh, I tweeted at Youngstown State Football. I says, are you guys ready? <laughs> oh yeah, I damn every uh every Saturday that gets closer to February twenty first, I just sit here and I'm like, come on, man, let's just keep going. I mean, I don't want to rush Christmas. I love Christmas, but I'm itching, man. Yeah, I am well, itching to. Uh, before that, we got to cheer on Old Notre Dame here, right? Yeah, we oh huge game uh, Friday. Uh, ESPN decides to you know put the number. Second ranked and nineteenth ranked teams at three thirty on Black Friday because surely that will get a big national audience. And uh, let's put Oregon State in prime time at seven thirty. That's gonna everybody wants to watch Mighty Oregon State. You know they were they just missed out on that last uh, four spot <laughs> last year. You know the Beavers they were uh, t- 
Tim, I'm not sure anybody in America can name a player in Oregon State outside of Corvallis. But I die. I digress and get off my soapbox. Yes, it's a big game. Got to win. Got to keep advancing. And uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, three regular season games left. Exactly. Keep it going. I'm going to say this. The last four teams to be ranked number two in the initial college football playoff rankings have won the national championship. That's true. I, that's, a, that's all I'm saying. I'm going to leave it there. I will say this. Um, the four teams that are ranked in the top four, Alabama, Clemson, yep. Notre Dame, and Ohio State, not in that order. Uh, yeah. No, who? Not a big surprise there, huh? No. No, I think, um, you know, I think you look at it. Um, I think this year were any – Maybe going back to the 14 in Ohio State one, you had Baylor and TCU, uh, who were really good at five and six. Right. I think Texas A&M and Florida on any given day can beat one of the top four teams. Um, but right now, um, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Clemson um, have, you know, three of the four run defeated, and one, one is a couple plays away from being undefeated. Thank God they're not. Well, so. there was a great interview on Move the Sticks podcast with <laughs> with our favorite coach, um, Brian, I'm Digger Phelps, Kelly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. And you know what? I got to give the man credit. I mean, he comes on the show almost yearly. And mm-hmm. when they get into it, they talk about, you know, everything that's gone on in the program since he's yes. been there and that. And, you know, he talked about how he's changed Uh, from the first time they went to a national title and how they are today and how they approach things and uh, their overall thought processes that have gone into everything and how they've, you know, how they recruited differently, how they Mm -hmm. done many things differently than they did back the last time they were in a a championship series against Alabama. So uh, if you're a football fan out there and a Notre Dame fan, uh, that was like last week. You could find it. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. Move the sticks podcast. Daniel Jeremiah, phenomenal. And uh, another thing, uh, I happened to be on YouTube uh, just before we got mm-hmm. on. I guess this happened about two weeks ago. Now, I don't listen to um, Rich Eisen's uh, radio show. I just don't have time. I used to. I don't either. Yeah. Right now, I, it might be on locally. It might not be. I don't know. You can no, get not it, anymore. I, no. You can get it online. I'm sure a hundred different places. But uh, he had. Daniel Jeremiah on, and they had the greatest little skit. Uh, so, you know, Jeremiah is being the former scout and a big draft day mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Uh, they did the fictional football player draft, the top four okay. players. Um, and of course, Bobby Boucher uh, was one, and yep. uh, Forrest Gump was another. Okay. Uh, Johnny Utah uh, okay. from, uh, and uh, 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 Foxes. Uh, what was that? Uh, Jamie Foxes character. What was that? What was that one on? In the longest yard. Might uh, might have been. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Foxes. Anyways, and they did a whole breakdown with, and he did a whole scouting report on all of That's them. That's awesome. It was that is you awesome. You gotta find it. It is fantastic. I don't want to give it away. Um, but it was it was quite interesting. Uh, uh, when it came to Johnny Utah, not a lot of, he goes like this, it was the best part of it. He goes, not a lot of film on this one. <laughs> so I had to go, so I had to go to another, another character that he played to get a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, 
you know, I'll say this. Um, uh, going back to Brian Kelly real quick. Um, I want to make a two-fold remark here. It, yes, we've talked about how he's comparable to Digger Phelps. Uh, Digger has broken a couple uh, longest win streaks in his day. Uh, Kelly did that against Clemson. But um, the turnaround that Brian Kelly has done, not just on the field, um, because the talent-wise, every year has gotten better. You know, I don't think this is his most talented team, Tim. I really don't. I don't uh, this is not – I'll say this. This is – far away, nowhere near the offensive talent uh, 2018 teams had, or maybe even last year's team. Um, but the mental toughness and the physical toughness is so much better and advanced to from where it was just two years ago. It's incredible. Um, and it takes a lot of uh, – it takes a big sacrifice to completely overhaul what you've been doing your whole life. Um, you know, because he completely, you know, he was more of a CEO and aloof in team meetings and all that. And now he's hands on in every aspect, not just the offense and the quarterback room. Um, uh, so I'll say that I think the uh, ability to get better up front on both sides of the ball, obviously that won the Clemson game for them. Um, but I'll say this, people may not realize it now, but they hopefully will when he retires. But Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director at Notre Dame, the job he's done is almost to almost getting to the point where you build a statue of him. And I don't want to seem like I'm overreacting, but when he took over the football program, it was your was a Hawaii bowl. Right. I mean, let's be, you know, your best year was the Hawaii bowl. And you were thrilled when you got Michael Floyd and Gordon Tate, and you're like, man, we can't get better than these guys. These guys are superstars and they're studs. And, you know, we're going eight and four. We're going to the Hawaii Bowl. And, yeah, we got it turned around. And, you know, maybe we're going to compete against USC to now you're a consistent playoff contender yearly. If you don't beat USC by double digits, it's like, what the hell is going on? And even last week when they beat Boston College and ran for 251, it's like, yeah. Men's basketball has transitioned from the Big East to the ACC. They won the ACC. They've gone to the Elite Eight two years. They've been in the tournament other years. And if not for a defensive breakdown in the last 30 seconds, they beat undefeated Kentucky. And Tim, honestly, probably win the national championship. Their women's basketball team has won a national championship, lost in another game. Um, lacrosse has played for three – or has played for three national championships. Um, and all the other Olympic sports are doing well. Soccer's won a national championship. Hockey's been to four frozen fours, all, all while going from three different independent to Big Ten to hockey, whatever. And I don't follow hockey that closely. But right. um, what he's done is simply incredible on the field. Then you look at off the field, the graduation rates every year are where Notre Dame demands they be. And he's done, I think, a great job navigating this uh, global pandemic. Uh, Notre Dame this past week had zero positive tests, zero people in isolation or close quarantine. So um, he's the real reason why Notre Dame is where they're at. And uh, he showed loyalty to Brian Kelly and everybody wanted him out the door. 
administration is is a key part of exactly. college football and college athletics. It's a key part, you know, in any athletic organization. And you look at the front office, as they call it, and at the pro mm-hmm. sports level or the administration level at, at the collegiate level or the high school level. It matters. There's no question about it. Putting right people in right situations and right opportunities do show a reason why certain schools are where they are consistently versus other schools that go up and down. A perfect example is that, as you, you mentioned, is, is USC, a, a rival of Notre oh. Dame for many years. Uh, when when USC has the administration and the football program and the basketball program mm-hmm. running well, they're unstoppable because they have exactly. so much talent. However, when the administration falters or the coaching staff falters and then the the athletic department suffers, it takes a lot for them to get back on their feet. Uh, that is a program like USC or UCLA uh, has floundered for many years, you know, in yes. and out. They have little peaks, but I mean, obviously yep. you go back 15 years ago, USC was phenomenal. And, mm. you know, the team to beat in college football uh, before Alabama and, you know, but today they're not, they're just not at that same level. No, uh, today they're, yeah. Yeah. And, and they've made mistakes in hiring. Damn, you know, the, probably the biggest one is they had Coach O and they decided not to keep him, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but again, this is, you know, that's what, that's why decision makers are important. That's why I was teasing about Theo Epstein coming to becoming mm-hmm. the AD at, at Maslin. Take nothing offense to the, whoever runs Maslin. And quite honestly, they did a phenomenal job on such a no, short notice this past week. And I, I say that jokingly, by the way, uh, about Theo mm-hmm. Epstein, it's just because, you know, he, he brings story programs championship. Um, yes, he does. <laughs> and what a story would that be for his trilogy to say he went to the high school level and delivered Maslin, their, <laughs> their football champion. <laughs> Paul D. DePesta might be uh, jealous if that happens. <laughs> I'll say this, you know, um, getting back on um, guys who cultivate a culture. And we've talked about it so many times in any sport. Right. Champions have that championship culture. Coldwater has it. You know, um, all these programs have it. Kirtland, you name it. Nurian's yeah. pre- previous athletic director, Kevin White, his big thing, his biggest signing was signing Charlie Weiss to a 10-year extension after three games into his first year. Yeah, because they're afraid they're going to lose. Jack Swarbrick's, yeah. And Jack Swarbrick's biggest thing is keeping Muff McGraw on to win a national championship and then extending Brian Kelly. And now you have continuity and you now have what all athletic directors dream about of not having to go through a whole blown coaching search. When the one retires or moves on, you have that next person in place to take over. And oh, we saw it at Ohio State too, Gene Smith, oh, yeah. you know, instead of going through a full blown coaching search again, uh, he just turned to his right and said, okay, Ryan, you're up. Well, you know, give. And that's what's been so successful. Well, again, you're talking about when you're comparing Ohio State, Notre Dame, and, and some of these other schools. Uh, the administration does matter. Yes, I oh, mean, yes. you can talk about Gene Smith, and you can criticize him for this or that. The basketball program, sure. Um, he's done a good job, though. I mean, he ha- really yes. has. Uh, he's navigated some some tumultuous times yes. uh, through the trestle end of the trestle era to the to the Luke Fickle one season to, you know, bring in Urban Meyer in. And then when Urban Meyer, 
you know, ran into problems when he decided to move on and, and handing the, the ship over to a, a young coach in Ryan day, who was only in the program for two seasons. Yeah. Um, but that's what administrators do. They, they recognize talent. They try to put them in the best position to win and they support them. And sometimes supporting them means signing them to a contract that no one expects them to like Brian Kelly and, and mm -hmm. giving them the, uh, the vote of confidence. And Brian Kelly has rewarded them. Sometimes you lose, you know, sometimes you make that decision yeah. that doesn't work. Uh, look at Michigan. Michigan has made a lot of decisions in the last 15 years that have not worked. And now you see a program that is, you know, almost non-existent at the, on the football level. Yeah. But their basketball program right. is really good. So, you know, yeah. uh, it's a combination of different things. It really, truly is. And quite honestly, you look at Michigan's athletics, other than football, they're pretty good. Uh, I hate saying yeah, that, are. but they are. They're pretty Softball, damn good. Soccer, hockey, yeah. Yeah, they're really um, good across you know, the board. This, they're just not good at football. I was having this conversation with somebody at work yesterday. Um, and you mentioned the last 15 years, they haven't been. But outside of 1997, when they were gifted the AP championship by beating Alabama in the Rose or the Orange Bowl, when was the last time you looked at Michigan and goes, that team is the best team in college football, or that team is a legitimate national championship? Well, the year they played Ohio State um, and oh, lost. Six? No, One I'm talking year? about, no, 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 about 02. The year that oh two when they when when, when they were one and two they were both one and two and Ohio oh six State, yeah no oh, two. oh six yeah oh two no that was oh six that was the first oh, six, Trestle's championship Trestle's championship no. Trestle's championship they were one well, and Trestle's two championship no that was two thousand six was Michigan in two thousand two lost to Notre Dame that year and they were six or seven going into the game two thousand two oh, they were both undefeated two thousand two Ohio State won the national title. Yes, that was that's the year I'm talking about. Michigan and Notre Dame, or excuse me, Michigan and Ohio State were one and two going into that game. No, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Michigan was six that year. No, there were one and two. No, that was 2006. It was 2002, my friend. No, that was 06. I'm going to tell you here. <laughs> Michigan in 2002, my was 12. They were nine and two. They were nine and two going into that game. They were both one and two in the country. And that was because the thought process is, could they meet again? I understand what you're showing me. I'm telling you, the thought process was, could they meet again in a championship? Yeah, that was 2006. Oh, six. All right. Maybe you're right. I could be wrong. I, I... Yeah, because Michigan in uh, 2002 lost Notre Dame 25-21. And... Hey. My memory, they all come, all the, all the years roll together nowadays. So I could be wrong, but I thought it was that 2002 season. It might've been 2006. Michigan in 2002, okay, lost that was, to okay. Iowa 34 to nine and their name 25, 25, 23. Okay. All right. I stand corrected. Oh, well, no big deal. Okay. But still, but, yeah, but my still, point is, yeah. One well, year and 20 years. Yeah. You're talking 15 years ago now. So, yeah, you know. The program has floundered since then. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, schools go through this. They got to find a way out. Yes, of they it. do. Uh, Michigan and, and uh, USC, 
uh, or two of the ones, you know, talk about, uh, there's always been others that came up and had good years like Washington a few years, you know, yeah. 20 years ago, or you can talk mm-hmm. about, you know, a lot of different teams that, that had one year. Oregon LSU is a yeah. perfect example. Every few, four years, they come back into the conversation, yeah. maybe every five, six years, but they're in the conversation, but you're going to get that. That's what makes yep. football interesting. That's what makes the whole thing. But, um, my point is the year they were one and two, it was the last time that they were, were of any they value. Are relevance, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and they that, have not been. Right. I mean, that was the last probably great big 10 season, to be quite honest with you, since then Ohio State's dominated. Yeah. I think, you know, Sam's, you know, 2007 Ohio State lost to Illinois that year late in the year. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, I think Penn State, was a coach champion a couple years Ohio State, but besides that, it's been yeah, Penn State is another team that that rises up and has a really good top ten year every four or five years, and then has you know been like we've seen them this, this kind year. of season, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you find that in almost every every uh, conference, you can find a team that rises up every four or five years. Wisconsin's that way. Wisconsin uh, and Iowa for for many years would mm-hmm. be you would have one or two really good seasons and four or five very mediocre seasons. And that's just, you know, the way it works. Uh, right now, Nebraska used to be a top five school all the time. Yeah. Not, no more. Uh, no. And, and then, you know, that's just the way it works. I mean, we could talk about different uh, programs throughout the, uh, the history of football. We could talk about, it. I mean, uh, you know, Pittsburgh used to be a really good program yeah. many, many years ago. Back when Notre Dame in the 70s and the early 80s, that was a big rivalry game. Yeah, they played again, but, you know, it's now, not the same. Pittsburgh's yeah, good, now, but they've never been that dominating team that they once were many, 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 many years ago. So, I mean, that's just the nature of sports. But, yeah. Well, don't worry. Michigan's big win over Mighty Rutgers got their swagger back. So, they're they're primed and ready to go, man. Well, they we'll got see. their swagger back against Rutgers. We'll They're see what happens. Good to go now, man. We'll Dude. see what happens. Nobody hey. marches into Piscataway and gets a win, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's Thanksgiving. There's football on. We should be thankful for that as sports yes. fans. Um, basketball season's right around the corner for me. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, everything will work out well, and I'll be able to do uh, a full season for the Hurricanes. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue to look forward to that. Uh, we finished the football season in high school football. And, uh, you know, congratulations to all schools that were involved because it was a trying year for everybody. And we and got that- through it. And uh, you can nitpick all you want. I'm going to congratulate all the schools for just being able to get too. on the field and play and, play, and yep. get it done. And, you know, be safe. You know, there were some times you couldn't play. There were times they did play. And in the playoffs, some teams got buys because of it. Some teams didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Division One schools finished a week early because of it. So, you know, these are the things that happen. Uh, it's, it's a year that we'll talk about for many years to come about what happened in 2020 and how everyone got through it. Look at what, you know, Major League Baseball went through. Look what the NBA, the NHL, and they're all going to be starting back up here soon again. So, uh, like you said, we got foot, college football uh, really from September to May this year. So yes. how can you be disappointed? And, you know, the division two schools are playing six games scheduled this yep. year with no championships. So, Hey, again, 
you do what you got to do. It's a unique year. Let's enjoy it. The competition is not guaranteed. Don't get upset when things happen. Learn to move on. Learn to accept them. And learn to compete at the best levels you can that day. That's my opinion. I want them all to win championships. We don't all win championships. No. But I'll say it again. If you have the opportunity to play for one, you, 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 you've given yourself the best opportunity to win one. Because unless you're playing for one, you can't win one. So uh, congratulations, Springfield. Congratulations to uh, Kennedy. Uh, congratulations to all the schools that participated in Maslin this past week. And uh, I was just fortunate enough to be there again. And uh, hopefully we'll be there again too. And, you know, my thanks again goes out to Jim Craven for everything he does to uh, give us an, an outlet to play uh, announcer for high school football games. It's amazing what happens when you are surrounded by people who care, people who know what they're doing, and people who have a vision and will do anything to get that vision, to make it possible. And, uh, you know, in our two years, Western Reserve Radio, Jim has been absolutely fantastic. We talked about this when we were thinking about making the move. And like you said, it was a no-brainer. It was just – it was – the best opportunity for us. And in two short years, he's given us a chance to uh, broadcast the championship game. And by looks, the talent in the Valley, Tim, I think we're going to be back there again. Oh yeah. So Good things uh, are what coming. he's done, what he's done is uh, simply fantastic. What I did not know is I did not know that Ursuline football is the official high school football game of the week in New York city on the apple. Yes, it was. I had no, I did not know about that. Uh, it just goes to show you the businessman and the uh, job that he's done. And you know what? Reserve Radio up. And, and here's a here's a small plug for those who uh, download this either tonight, being Wednesday night or Thursday Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. The Apple uh, out of New York on uh, W O N uh, nine twenty. The Apple is internet radio station. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, if you tune into Western Reserve. Radio stream two tomorrow, starting at 9 a.m. All time radio coming your way. A Thanksgiving bazina of a Thanksgiving celebration of Superman. There you go. From the Apple. It'll be on West Reserve Digital Radio too. So WestReserveRadio.com 360, the live 365 app, tune in apps. You know how to get it all. And if you're into all-time radio, Superman, all day long, starting at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Well, there you go. It's uh, just another just another display of his uh, versatility in uh, getting Western Reserve Radio to where he wants it to be. Yeah, yeah. and uh, our thanks to Jonathan Rios over at the Apple for that. So, uh, hey, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. I've only met him online, but uh, he has uh, he's covered a few of our games over the years. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, we look forward to, uh, you know, more partnerships in the future. And, uh, we'll have more announcements, but I'll tell you what, Anthony, as we're talking here and just to yes. give out something real quick, uh, I haven't made any, any arrangements yet, but uh, we'll try to get um, my partner, James Dotson on mm-hmm. to talk about high school football over in PA. I think their season ends this week. If there was any games that he was covering or anything going on, plus to do a basketball preview. Uh, with James and uh, what's going on and uh, we'll give you all the information there so uh, stay tuned for that here in the next week or two I'll uh, I'll reach out to James and we'll figure that how to uh, 
to get that one done because uh, anytime we have Dotson on, we're, we know we have a good podcast. Yeah, he's uh, he's always been phenomenal on, and uh, it'd be nice to get the expecting dad on. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, so exactly because, uh, because come here shortly, Papa he's Dotson. not going to have as much free time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's not as much free time here. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, you're going to see our uh, podcast uh, subscriptions and views go up in the early morning hours when the baby starts crying. <laughs> Should be an interesting spring for him. There's no doubt about it. All right, Anthony, final thoughts here. Uh, you know, people, let's, you know, I know we talk sports a lot, but, um, and that's what we love doing, but let's also remember, like you said, to be flexible, adapt, um, be open-minded, wear your mask. Let's, if we have to sacrifice gathering together for Thanksgiving in order to be able to do it at Christmas, hopefully let's do it. Or, you know, be able to spend new year's together. Let's do it. Let's, you know, let's, let's finally nip this thing in the butt and get it and get it under control. Enough of this already. Let's just, you know, enough, enough shutting down people and businesses and uh, them losing their jobs. Let's, Let's get this country back to where it needs to be. Yeah, I uh, can't agree with you any more than what you just said. And uh, as always, be careful out there. Take care of yourself. Wear a mask. Be courteous to others. You don't know who they come in contact to with. Mm-hmm. So do the right thing. And uh, we will get through this holiday season. It's going to be tough. And I look forward to better days going forward, but yeah, it's going to be a trying time the next uh, two, three months. Uh, I'm hoping for the best and wishing everybody out there a happy Thanksgiving and uh, do the right thing. Even when you think you are, make sure you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. Because uh, again, your actions do not necessarily affect you as much as they may affect somebody else. And I'm thankful for everybody out there who listens to our podcast. And I'm thankful for, you, Anthony, for being my partner the last three years doing this, and oh, thank uh, you let's have much. a uh, let's have a wonderful Thanksgiving, even if it's a small gathering in your own house uh, with your immediate family. Let's do the right thing, and let's all get through this, and let's look forward to a football season at the collegiate level, mm-hmm. coming through at the Division One level, coming to a conclusion the proper way in the NFL, and. Uh, hopefully the startup of the NHL and the NBA season and the college basketball season. And of course the high school basketball season. And uh, you know, obviously we'll cover that with my, uh, my uh, yearly trail over to uh, Newcastle and uh, the red hurricane. And, uh, God, I love that. Wear your mask and get Tim back to the peak. All right. For Anthony, I'm Tim. We will talk to you next time right here on radio. And the peak.